0: And, uh, and so let's, tonight, let's open our Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, and uh, we're going to read from verse 5 down to verse number 10, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, and uh, verses 5 through 10, and I just want to say again how much I appreciate that kind introduction. Of uh, Pastor Holmes, and and thank you everybody for being here this evening, and and uh, it just so good, and uh, it's just such a very special blessing. It was uh, it was fifty seven years ago, fifty seven years ago, that my pastor Otis Frazier was his name said to me from Daniel chapter twelve and verse number three. He said he quoted the scripture. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. And I'll never forget that Wednesday night at a prayer meeting on the other side of town. I was on my knees praying with a group of men when I felt a tap on my shoulder. It was Otis Frazier my pastor. At that time I was a senior in high school and he asked me when we got off to another room he said Jim he said uh, so what are you going to do now that you're graduating from high school. And I told him the first time that I had said anything to anybody even my parents with my family to no one. I told him about the burden That the Lord had uh, placed upon my heart. My heart to preach the gospel. And he shouted and he praised the Lord. and, And I think it was at that time. When he quoted that verse of scripture for me. From Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever what a high calling what a high calling it is to be a preacher of the gospel to be able to share the message of life of everlasting life with others to have the privilege of proclaiming God's truth to others you know when you look back on your ministry You really do appreciate the words here of Paul the Apostle uh, about the place for doing that very thing of of looking back. And uh, Paul the Apostle did so. But you know, Paul the Apostle at that time, he was in a prison cell. He was in a prison cell as part of the persecution that he was enduring for faithfully proclaiming the gospel. And as I look back, there's so much that I am thankful for. And Susan and I, we have been going back and forth these last few days. Remember this one, Jim? And remember this, Jim? And remember that one? And remember this? Remember when this happened? Do you remember this meeting? Do you remember this preacher? Do you remember this family? You uh, you know, it's just just hard to imagine how many people that uh, the Lord brings you in contact with. And how I thank the Lord for the last ten years, especially how that Susan and I came here to Harvest Baptist Temple, and you folks just took us in and and loved on us and encouraged us and just helped us. And how much of a blessing that it was to, to serve with uh, Pastor Lewis, and and then as Pastor Holmes uh, came on the scene and uh, was became the pastor here in in twenty fifteen uh, about the difference and and uh, and how how. Great great it was to be asked to to be able to uh, serve with him what an honor what an honor that it was oh so many things that the lord has done for us over the years and for sure i wouldn't put myself on the same plane as paul the apostle what the holy spirit has him right here is really important for us all to remember What we read contains the text, as a matter of fact, of the very first sermon that I ever preached. And that was in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and in verse number 10. In 1966, that fall, I was asked to preach. And uh, and this was my text. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Now you think about that think about that I mean you think about the world today and all that the world has to offer you know great opportunities great uh, finances great places great uh, other things that uh, that so uh, attract so many other people but to think about in the first century world I mean, they just basically got one rock is better than the other rock, you know. And and to to have forsaken the ministry, forsaken Paul the Apostle for the love of that world. I said, are you kidding me? I mean, what were you thinking of, Demas? Uh, I mean, you're talking about a poor exchange. Uh, You're talking about, you know, that just does not compute. But you know, that is what he did. For Demas hath forsaken me and you know what fact of the matter is over the years you meet a lot of people and you have a lot of experiences and at one time at one time Demas was a faithful co-laborer at one time he was there for him and you know there is no question about it that the world can exert a very powerful pull on the most faithful among us and it is a tug of the heart that is always there because the devil is using every day to tug at us, to pull at us, to pull at us, to uh, get sidetracked and start uh, chasing after things that really are not important, things that really do not last But oh, what advice that Paul the Apostle gave us here. I'm going to read this passage of scripture for us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting there in verse number 5, because there's some things here that I want to emphasize for us tonight. Paul the Apostle says this, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. In other words, your ministry ought to show something. There are some things that ought to accompany your calling of God. Where are those things that the Lord is using you to do for him? And you know, the fact of the matter is you don't have to be a pastor of a church or an evangelist or a missionary to have a ministry. All of us that know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. All of us who are born again are given spiritual gifts. We have a ministry. And I ask you tonight, are you fulfilling that ministry that God has given you? Are you doing those things that God is calling you to do? Or are you just letting the time just slip by? slide by oh i hope and i pray that that is not the case but the word of god tells us this but watch thou in all things endure afflictions do the work of an evangelist make full proof of thy ministry for i am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand i have fought a good fight i have finished my course i have kept the faith Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and he's departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia, You know what, folks, the best that we can tell, when Paul the apostle went to Rome under arrest and put in prison, that Demas was one of those that accompanied him. At one time, Demas was standing with Paul, and, and no doubt there were times when, when Demas went to the prison because Paul was given the, uh, the privilege, the opportunity to be able to see his friends, to see his uh, companions, to see his, those that were working with him. And so Demas was in there. Demas was uh, meeting with him and talking with him. And you know, we don't know. We can't imagine. It's just speculation. What was it that, that Demas saw? What was it that, that uh, spoke to Demas? And, uh, and it ended up being the thing that led him away from serving Paul. But make foolproof of your ministry is what Paul said. Fulfill whatever God wants you to do. And here's the thing about it, folks, and that is Timothy and his ministry was not the same as Paul the apostle. I mean, whatever ministry it is that God has given you, God has given me, it is not going to be the same. Uh, God is going to use us all in different ways. God gives us all different gifts, different abilities. And uh, he wants us to be, as it's been already pointed out, God wants us to be faithful in our ministry oh i tell you no god directed ministry folks is small or unimportant and all of these co-workers here that he talks about they too had a ministry to fulfill and so my friends i ask you tonight are you fulfilling what god has called you to do oh if you're not you need to get on track Paul gave the reason about this responsibility. He said he was about to move off the scene. And Timothy would have to take his place. And in this portion of scripture here, we see this personal testimony of uh, Paul in about three different areas that I want to share with you. And that is, first of all, as we look at the scripture, there in verse number six, look what it says. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Number one, Paul the apostle, he looked around. He took a consideration of what the situation was. He looked to see just what, what was going on and what was taking place. And he saw things were moving around and moving up to the point where he was going to be leaving this world. And as he looked around, as he uh, realized that what was going to be taking place, that he was going to be leaving soon, that the end was near. And you know, when we read this about Paul the Apostle, we don't see him trembling with fear. Uh, We don't see him uh, talking about uh, uh, Caesar and how... Uh, he was being treated so unfairly. No, uh, a matter of fact, as Paul talked about it, there are two words that he emphasized. And that is, he said, he is offered and that also uh, it is a time of departure for him. Uh, those are the things that mattered to Paul the apostle. Uh, he said, the time of my departure is at hand. And that word departure there is just such a good word to to, to look at. Because the idea of departure there has got the idea uh, about letting loose of an anchor and uh, setting sail. It's got the idea about it uh, to take down a tent. And Paul, of course, talked about that there in Second Corinthians chapter 5. Where he talked about how our body is like a tent. That one day will be taken down. And, uh, and so uh, Paul, he said, this is how I see things. As I look around, this is what I see. The time of my departure is at hand. He said that the end was near as he is being offered... Uh, the picture here, folks, is about a drink offering. A drink offering that the Old Testament uh, we see illustrated, how it was all poured out at the altar. And, uh, and and so Paul the Apostle, that is what he looked at. This is how he saw things, that this was, who, this was what he had to look forward to. He was going to be with the Lord Jesus. And that was important to him. So, yes, Paul, he did, he looked around and he correctly assessed the situation. But, you know, not only did Paul, the apostle, look around, but he did kind of what we're doing tonight. He looked back. He looked back. Look at verse number seven. As he looked at his ministry, as he looked at his life, he said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. It's okay to look back. It's okay to look back and, and remember those things, how the Lord has used us. You know, back in his day, of course, uh, the athletic games were a, a really a, a big deal. And uh, the images that Paul the apostle talks about is are, are like a wrestler or or like a, a runner, and uh, he said he had finished his lifelong race. He was victorious in that he had kept the rules, and and there was a prize now waiting for him. He also likened it to like a steward who faithfully guarded what was being deposited, that which his his. Uh, owner his boss had he said I have kept the faith just like somebody in banking that has made sure that your savings or your money was safe and secure that is what he said about as he looked back at things Uh, in his day those athletes who was a winner would be rewarded by the crowds they would get a wreath of or garland of uh, different kinds of leaves or oak leaves and so forth. That uh, word for crown there is Stephanos. That is the victor's crown itself. And matter of fact, that's where we get the name Stephen, Stephanie, from. That very word. But then he also talks about the the kingly crown, the diadem, uh, and that Paul would not be given a fading crown of leaves, but it'd be that crown of righteousness that would never fail. What what a blessing. Uh, Jesus Christ, he knew, was the righteous judge who always judges correctly, and uh, of course, Paul's judges in Rome at that time were not righteous judges. If they were righteous judges, they would have released him because he was not guilty of any crime. His Lord and his Savior, Jesus Christ, had, had, uh, he was following. He was uh, seeking to serve. And uh, when you are ready to face the Lord, you need not fear the judgment of men. That is what... Paul the Apostle did as he, as he then looked around. Oh, you and I, we may not be apostles, but yet we can win the crown. We can win the crown that Paul won. Uh, Paul the Apostle said that he loved the Lord's appearing. He lived in obedience to his will and did the work that he was called to do. And as you do those things, we too will be crowned. What a day that will be as we stand before the Lord Jesus. But I hope you realize, friends, I hope you understand this, that for any of that to take place for you... You need to know the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to have him in your heart. Maybe you're here tonight and you would ask me, how do you become a Christian? Uh, I mean, uh, how do you you get to know the fact that you're on your way to heaven? Well, my friend, you need to understand that you need to have a one-on-one time between you and the Lord. You need to come a time... When the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and it's just you and the Lord. Because it's not any amount of good works. It's not uh, anything about religious rituals. It's not about ceremonies that make you a Christian. No, it's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ based on uh, these certain truths that God's word gives us. And I can't tell you how many times over the years I have brought these points out to people. Matter of fact, I was just talking to someone this morning who told me about me being, and I completely forgot about it, told me about being in the hospital visiting her grandmother. And uh, she was just a teenager then. And while I was there... I talked to that young lady and she said, you told me about the gospel. You told me about how that I can know Jesus Christ as my savior and completely forgot about it. So many things happen, not to mention my mind is not what it used to be anyway. But uh, but oh, how many times I've emphasized these points that number one, the scripture says this in Romans chapter three and verse number 10, that there is none righteous no not one you don't deserve to go to heaven the way you are uh the way you're born i don't deserve heaven on my own there is none of us that are righteous there are none of us that are holy there are none of us that are perfect there's only been one perfect person that came into this world and of course they crucified him But there is none righteous, no, not one. In your present condition, you are not ready to meet the Lord. Only those who possess righteousness can do that. So, why are we unrighteous? Why are you unrighteous? Well, Romans chapter 3 and verse number 23 says it plainly For all have sinned, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I tell you, folks, God has got a high standard. A high standard for righteousness of absolute holiness. Not according to the culture of the day, but according to the standard that is written in this book. I mean, many of you know some of the Ten Commandments. You know, most folks that tell me that they are following the Ten Commandments, they can only tell me one or two. They're in trouble. (laughs) They don't even know the rest of them, you know. But you look at the Ten Commandments. Who is there among us uh, that can say, Oh, I have not broken any of those commandments. Oh, that's a lie. That is just not true. You are not righteous because of your sin. And Romans chapter 6 and verse number 23 then goes on to tell us this truth. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of our sin is death. There is a consequence to our sin. And that is death. Not just physical death, but spiritual death. And death in the scripture never means to no longer exist. Death in the scriptures always means, always means to be separated from. And that is what the word of God tells us. There is a consequence to our sin. It is death, physical and spiritual. And uh, to be separated from God, to be separated from him forever in a place the Bible tells us is called hell. What an awful result. What an awful result of our sin. But there is a way of escape. And that escape is through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes. The one who went to the cross and died for us. Oh, the rest of that verse, did you catch it? It says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How is this possible? Jesus took upon himself the judgment of our sins. And you know, there was a very well-known man in Jesus' day. And we find this account in John chapter 3. John chapter 3, and uh, we know it as Jesus and his, and his conversation with a man by the name of Nicodemus, John chapter 3, and the scripture says that there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi. We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now catch this, Nicodemus was a learned Bible teacher of his day. He knew the Old Testament probably better than all of us in this room combined knew it. And uh, he was very faithful to that. And yet Jesus said to him, Nicodemus, your faithfulness to this religion, your faithfulness to what you have been taught, this faithfulness that uh, you claim to, by this title that you hold, that won't get you to heaven. He said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And uh, Nicodemus, he went so far as to uh, be cute about it. He said, what? He said, how can I go back into my mother's womb again? And, uh, and uh, Jesus said, listen, Nicodemus. He said, it is a spiritual birth that I'm talking about. But the fact of the matter is, folks, that you're not going to heaven unless you have been born again. And so I ask you tonight, have you been born again? Oh, if you have, praise the Lord Jesus. Uh, And then uh, later on in that chapter, in verse number 16, listen to this. For God so loved the world, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You can go from one judged to everlasting condemnation to everlasting lasting life Amen. what great truths and i trust my friends as you are here tonight to be part of this time of of celebration and and fellowship as we uh just get to be with our friends on this very special day as uh, i've uh, uh, announced my retirement whatever that means for a preacher i'm i'm still trying to figure it out you know <laughs> Because just about everybody says, ah, preachers don't retire. I, I know that. I'm not retiring from serving Jesus. I'm not retiring from loving the Lord. But my friends, the fact of the matter is these truths, you need to make sure that they are yours. That number one, do you realize that you are a sinner? Do you realize that you are a sinner? Do you realize, as we have just said, about the consequences of your sin? Do you realize tonight that your sin has been paid for? Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8. But God commended His love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is the statement of the extent that God loves you. And the justice of God is satisfied. And you can have this relationship. In Romans chapter 10 and verse number 9, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Remember what truth number one was? Romans chapter 3 and verse number 10, there is none righteous, no, not one. Uh, You can have this righteousness because Jesus Christ offers to you tonight his righteousness. If you put your trust in Jesus Christ as the Savior from your sin, Jesus paid for your sin on Calvary, Jesus rose from the dead victorious over sin and death. And then in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you put your faith, have you put your trust in Jesus Christ tonight to save you from your sin? You can do that tonight. That could be your case tonight. Folks, I got to tell you, I have no regrets. I have no regrets. In giving my life to serving Jesus Christ. You know, I, I, I think about other fields of work. If you'd let me illustrate it that way. I've had the perfect job all these years. The perfect job. I was doing a work that would last for all of eternity. Not just something temporary. Uh... I, I mean, God's plan of salvation, catch me now, God's plan of salvation is perfect. It's perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. Matter of fact, there's not an updated version. There's not going to ever be a salvation 2.0. That's never going to take place. I mean, what God has done for us and what God gives us in his word, is just, it, can, it can't be any better. And, then, and the reward for it, the result of that is everlasting life and a relationship with Jesus Christ and the promise of heaven forever. Uh, I mean, folks, I've had a perfect job of getting to share that message. Oh, as the preachers have already said tonight, there are difficulties in the ministry. And oh, boy, I could tell you the stories. <laughs> I can tell you the stories. And I, I was talking to a fellow a, a little while ago. He said, brother, he said, you ought to write a book. I said, I don't think so, you know. I don't think so. I don't think it would go very far. But, oh, you know, the things that you have come your way. But there, praise the Lord, there are no updates to the plan of salvation. The same message of the gospel that I gave in the fall of 1966 is the same message I give you tonight. Didn't don't have to change anything about it. It, it was perfect then. It's perfect tonight. It's still the perfect plan. And tonight, I, I, there's three things I want to say. First of all, I could not have done it. I could not have done it without my faithful wife, Susan. I just could not. I would have crashed and burned a long time ago. I can't tell you how many times her prayers kept me going. How many times we've read the scripture at home and we've prayed. And Susan's prayers... It always got to me it always got to me there was just such a believing basis as she prayed like there was no question whatsoever that the lord was listening that the lord was hearing and how many times that that just so spoke to my heart you know the burdens that the lord gave me for reaching people uh, for the lord Uh, They were hurt burdens too. I, I mean, time and time and time again... We would talk about, oh, this person, we just, you know, if only they would get saved. If only they would get saved. If only they would give their life to the Lord. If only they would uh, just come back to the Lord. What a difference it would be. And, and, and yet, i got to tell you, folks, how many times I'd get that phone call. Someone needed me to go. Whatever the time of day, whatever the circumstances, Susan and my family, they always understood They always understood that this is what the Lord has called their dad to do and and always supported me, always supported me. And so how have I done it these years? I had such a faithful wife, such a good wife to support me. Second thing, second thing, how could I have done it? Well, I got to tell you, folks, I could not have done it without the grace of God. Without the grace of God, how many times I rejoiced in the Lord and how he opened doors for me just at the right times or closed doors that needed to be closed. How thankful I am for the Lord who never left me or forsook me, who was always there. And his grace was always there. Not because I deserved it. Never have, and you don't deserve it either. But God in his goodness kept blessing, kept helping, kept helping, kept helping. Susan and I were just talking about this just the other day. How that, how that the Lord at the right time would bring along the right person that we really needed in our ministry and in our, in our, in our lives, and that person would be there, and, and, uh, and what a blessing that was. There's a third thing, a third thing that I look at, how did I make it? And that is I could not have done it without the intercession of God's people. I could not have done it. There were times, there have been times when I just seemed like I was just stumbling through the day. I didn't know how I was going to be able to keep on. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I didn't know how I was going to make it. And in those times, in those times, I'd get a phone call or I would get a visit or I would maybe chance meeting, chance, right, chance meeting at a store somewhere or something, and I would get this message. You know, Pastor, I want you to know that our family prays for you every day. And every time I've been told that, and I've been told that so many times over the years, it just always kind of floored me. Like, who am I? Who am I that I am such a central figure in in your home and in your family that, uh, that you pray for me and pray for my family every day? It always humbled me it always spoke to my heart and I would just always, it would stop me in my tracks. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much who I am that your people would make me that part of their daily lives. There's so much more that I could say. I want to thank you all for coming and making this such a, blessed day for for Susan and I.